Have you ever sat down and thought that you were supposed to start a podcast? Have you ever wondered how you're going to do that and how that will work? Anchor.fm is the link where this podcast is recorded. It is so helpful, so easy to do. Now, come on, people. If I can do it, y'all can do it. I'm telling you what. So (laughs) go to anchor.fm, start your podcast, and follow what God is calling you to do. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hey guys, welcome to season 10 of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. Thank you so much for joining me each and every week to hear the stories of the person being interviewed. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you who listen, who share, and who just keep this podcast going. So God bless you. Thank you so much and enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Anchor by the Star podcast. I am really excited to sit down and talk today with Jamie Nato. Her new book, This Must Be the Place, comes out today. So I'm really excited to share this with you guys for us to talk about her book and her ADHD brain and all the fun things that go along with that. Um, So Jamie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a party. You know, if you're going to interview an ADHD person, you literally never know where the conversation is going to go. So yeah. And those are the most fun. So guys buckle in. (laughs) So can you tell my listeners more about yourself? Yeah, I am a mother of four. Um, I've been married for 85 years or something (laughs) around the, it feels like that, but maybe Mm -hmm. it's just 16 years. And I have been blogging for a long time when blogging was a thing and maybe it's making a comeback, but that's where I first started writing and kind of learning to use my voice. And this is maybe like 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. but I figured out this is a place for free that I could write and reach people who weren't just my grandma and my mom. And, um, that was during a time when my marriage sort of like fell apart and infidelity crept into our marriage and I was devastated. And two years later, my best friend said, Hey, maybe you should write about that on your blog. And I said, no, thank you. This is already (laughs) embarrassing enough. And she said, I think it could really help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I got the courage up and started writing about that. And I think that was how God redeemed our marriage. I think that was the thing that kind of got me in front of a lot more people. And God used that very devastating thing, I think, to catapult us, not only in our faith, but Mm -hmm. even my writing, even my platform. um, That was really that kind of pivotal thing. And I write about that too in the book, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to only write about that story. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a lot of stories in the book about how God has shaped and molded me. And just, I had a really weird childhood. I'll just say that guys, (laughs) I (laughs) had a weird, weird childhood. So I hope that, you know, the funny stories and the sad stories kind of can be held in the same, you know, we, we hold both of those things. Like our lives are so complicated. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, like I told you before we started, um, I received your book two day or the day before we recorded, and I'm already at page 75. And I have laughed out loud. I have nearly cried. And <laughs> I have sat there and said, yes, yes, me, totally. So, yeah. Um, That's what I hope. I hope that everyone finds themselves in the stories and mm -hmm. that it, it gives everybody the courage to kind of go back and look back and see like, oh, that was a breadcrumb, even though I buried that because it was sad and I don't want to think about that anymore. We're going to dig around and say, there can be treasure here if we are brave enough to ask ourselves these questions. And basically, I just go first. So I tell a story. And then at the end, I ask you some good questions that make you say, hmm, maybe I need to reframe that a little bit, or mm -hmm. maybe I need to see there could have been something here that could really help me in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there any part of your story that you want to dive a little bit more into as part of your freedom story today? You know, I think what I would love for women to know and to feel um, in some of these stories is I came out of that purity culture movement. And I'm so glad that people are talking about that now and just how mm -hmm. terrible of theology <laughs> that was. But that's where, I mean, I most recently have kind of stepped out in freedom. I've left some religious ecosystems that wanted me to shrink. And I guess that was the only framework I knew. And so I kept trying to make it work. Like I kept trying to go back into those systems and kind of it's good to agitate, I think a little bit, but I finally just said, I can't do this anymore, or mm -hmm. I don't actually want to do this anymore. I don't want to shrink and I'm going to find someone who, or, you know, there's, they're all systems, but I'm going to find a place where I can be free and use my gifts. I don't want to, I don't, I just want to use my gifts, which yeah. as a woman can be really complicated. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess I, I would want to say, walking out of that and saying, what does God think about me as a woman? What, what does he think? And having to go undo some of that bad theology has been the most devastating thing I've had to walk through, but also really, really beautiful that God met me in such an intense way. I mean, I couldn't even like open my Bible for a little bit there. Um, I watched the chosen series. Like I really was like, I, how do I meet with God? And I watched the chosen, which is so good. Mm -hmm. And I just saw women around Jesus so much and not even just around him. I saw them included loved mm -hmm. and, um, not seen for their past and, and just accept like radically accepted mm -hmm. and included. And so, that was kind of what got me through that last dark time um, to where I am now. Who, I mean, I'm going to seminary in the fall. Like I have done an about face, you know, mm -hmm. like from being in a system of like, be quiet, be gentle, be shrinking to, you know what? I think I'm going to go do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. And when I, when I read that chapter <clears throat> in your book, I was actually just talking to a friend about it because I went through a very similar situation recently where I've been stepping out with this podcast and I was feeling not supported where I was. Yeah. And I was feeling, yeah, I was like, okay, well, this is the place where I have been for years and where I started talking with people, 
but now I feel like I'm not being supported at all. And that was really hard. That was mm-hmm. really devastating. And so reading what you were saying, it was like, yes, yes. And then when you talk about that, if God uh, shuts the heavy door, that there may be a stained glass for you to fly through. Yeah. Oh, yay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is an interesting time to be alive where mm-hmm. I am thankful that we do have a stained glass window to fly through, you mm-hmm. know, and, and just saying, confronting those, those things that you've believed so and perpetuated. I mean, I mm-hmm. perpetuated those things too, because it was all I knew. Like right. I was being managed so heavily, my body, my words, my action, like everything, you know, manage this crazy, um, these crazy female species. They, they must be, they're so dangerous. You know, they have breasts. They're just incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, and so I would manage other women too. I wrote posts about modesty and, and it was coming from such a place of, for me, I was deeply hurt that my husband stepped out. And I thought if I can just manage all the other women's bodies, maybe that won't be so difficult for him. And which is hilarious, but and when it was really between him and God and what he needed to do in his relationship. But, you know, I look back on some of those things and I think glory to God, like we can change. We actually yeah. can change. You actually can undo, you know, just because you believed a certain way in politics, but there's something in the back of your head that's saying like, that isn't good. That's not right. And having the courage to say, I'm not going to participate in that anymore even though that's my tribe, even though that's where I find identity. And I mean, that's what I'm doing. I guess people are calling it deconstruction and everyone's freaking out that we're going to lose our religion. And I'm like, good, lose your religion and come back to faith. Amen to that. Amen. And how have you seen God use that? Well, I mean, I am on, I am on Instagram and that is my platform for a reason. I think I am just telling you how my process is, what what's happening in my heart, but I am not telling you that you are wrong. And if you don't jump on this wagon with me, or if you don't do it the way I do it, um, you know, you're going to hell. I, <laughs> but that's the system I came out of. Like, if you don't believe this set of things, like you are not welcome in this tribe. And that's so scary. Mm -hmm. for a woman too. So what I'm doing is just using my voice and saying, here's what it looks like. And God is not afraid of your questions is what I'm trying to portray. God is not afraid of your questions Mm -hmm. and he is not afraid of your doubt. And so I'm do I'm going first and saying, Mm -hmm. here's what it looks like. I'm going to talk about it. And I hope that it gives people the courage to confront those things in them that They've been too afraid to confront. And sometimes that's what it takes. You watch someone go first. I know I have to, you know, I just read Beth Moore's book. Have you read that one yet? No, I have it on my to be read list. So I think I might be taking it when I go on vacation next, next week. You will love it. It is so good. She's a delightful human, Mm -hmm. but talk about someone going before us and Mm -hmm. doing the work and, um, and, and still coming out on the other end saying, I love God more. Mm -hmm. And 
I do too. Like, I think, yeah, could I not crack my Bible open for a little bit? Sure. But I got through that and I love God more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. That'll definitely help set some people free today. Absolutely. I hope so. I mean, there's just too much going on in our world to, um, I don't know, be afraid of God and not know that he's so tender towards you and that he's so gentle towards you. I don't want to worship that kind of God that is, is scary and is mad at me and is disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. And I think we walk around with that kind of a faith, like, Ooh, I messed up again. What's he going to do? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know um, you're talking about deconstruction and also I'm going to bring in renovations a little oh, bit. Yeah. So um, I personally am a huge fan of reno shows and that we're just going to call that COVID because that's <laughs> what happened during COVID. But you talk about renovation. So how do you draw the, your experience with the renos and the flips that you've done now with your faith? I, I am not a person who is good at building. Like when people say I'm building a house, I am in awe. I, d how, I don't understand. Like do you have numbers and measurements. I am better at walking into something that's already built and saying, where are we going to make this look good? Mm -hmm. I, so I need it to already be there. And then I will walk in and say, move this wall. This needs to be this color. This needs to, you know, look like this. I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I think I love renovations because I love redemption. I like mm -hmm. taking something that someone discarded or someone said, this isn't good enough for me. You know, I want it already done. Heaven forbid I walk into a house. It could be beautiful. It could have, someone could have dropped so much money in there and I'll be like, oof we are going to need to change this. You know, it's got to be my idea. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I can't believe they spent so much money on that color of countertop. But I, I just think, I think it's the redemption piece. I think mm -hmm. it's like what God does with us where it looks tattered or broken or beyond fixing. And then God comes in and says, no, there's still hope there. We can still make this beautiful. And so it's one of those things like real estate and we take a break for a while, you know, we do one and then we will not, but I'm kind of in the, the phase of what's God, where, where is he going to bring us the next house to flip? I mean, maybe not in this market because it's bananas, but mm -hmm. one day again, I just love it. And if it, if it's not someone else's house, don't you know, I am going to find another project in my house that. Yeah. I'm like, what can make our life more miserable for about six months? <laughs> Let's renovate this bathroom. So it's just a, it's a fun, it's a fun thing that I like to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in the house that we have, we moved in about six years ago and my brain, I've watched so many shows. I'm like, oh, we can take down this wall and make this into a bigger mud room and <laughs> move the bathroom and all this. And my husband just, just sitting there like going. Hmm. <laughs> just need about 20 grand, babe. I mean, come right. on, like, let's get that money tree. My <laughs> husband told me that too. He's like, you know, I love that idea for you. <laughs> you already <laughs> drained that account, you know, on your last project. <laughs> How about that lake house that you talk about? 
seriously, you know, we bought that right before COVID and we're working on that and renovating that. And it was a ginormous house, but no one would buy it. And so it sat on the market for like three years. And I think I, maybe this is just bad theology, but I think God held that house back for us. I think he made it so unappealing to everyone else. And then when I walked in there, first of all, I'm not a lake person. I don't want to be, I call it poop water. I'm not (laughs) trying to get an infection. And so we walked in there and I thought, no. And I said that out loud to the realtor and to my husband, no way. And when I went to bed that night, I kept in my head painting the walls and reno- like renovating the kitchen and making a bunk room. And I was like, crap, now <laughs> I'm renovating a house that is not even mine, which I know is trouble. So we did end up buying it and we just worked on that house and um, it was so fun and not what we expected. And we fully immersed ourselves in that community. Our kids were like on the ski team, you know, the pyramids, like on water, they are doing in, you know, I'm like, should I let my prized possessions climb on top of six other humans? No, (laughs) probably not. But it was just such a surprise and a joy to enter into that kind of renovation. And then COVID happened. And that's where we lived. We lived on the water. We lived with um, basically some of our best friends also bought out there and we boated back and forth with chicken and rice and broccoli basically every night. And um, it was some of the sweetest. I mean, it's still, we sold that house recently, Mm -hmm. um, but it was such a haven. And I talk about in the book, the address of that um, house was C-19. Isn't that (laughs) so coincidental? But it was like our haven during that time. And I think just God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we sold it and now we have like a tiny little cabin, which is, you know, it does, you don't always need to host 25 people. You don't right. always need to do that. And so we have this tiny cabin where we literally can't host it, our kids sleep in bunk beds in the same room. And, but it's just a joy. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been God's mercy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm a lake girl. I don't go into it, but I like looking at it. Everybody needs, I like looking at it. Everybody needs to look at water. Isn't that Mm -hmm. like a study or something? If you can just see water moving, it's automatically calming. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's. It's how we think. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. I go, we go to Lake Erie every year because I'm at, I live in Ohio. So we go up to Marblehead every year and Lake Erie is a dirty lake. It is nasty. It's got snakes in it. It's just not a place that I want to go swimming anytime soon. And looking at it, though, it's the most peaceful place. It's just watching the water move, like you said, looking out at the horizon. There's just nothing better. Yeah, And like a sunrise or a sunset on the water, you just can't beat it. Mm -mm. No, not at all. So... I want to talk to you about something that you also talked about in your book about the calling for women. We kind of touched on it a little bit already and coming out of this conversation about renovating everything, but a woman's purpose, a woman's calling. When you talked about in the book about women who cannot have children. Yeah. 
and that's placed on them that that's what they should be doing. That's my story. I was not able to have any kids. And let's talk, let's speak to the woman who is going through that, who felt like I did where I actually, I didn't go to, I didn't go to church for quite a long time. And I had a really hard fight with God about it because I was like, if this is what you call women to do, then where does that leave me? Because I am a wife, but I can't be a mom physically. I can't have any children. I have my nieces, my nephews and all that, but Mm -hmm. let's talk to women about that. Yeah. I think if the gospel is only good for a subset of people, then it's not the gospel because Mm -hmm. if we are putting these millstones around women's necks and saying, you're the, the gospel is most shining through you. If you get married and if you have babies and you stay at home, all those things are quite a privilege. And, and it's, you're assuming quite a bit about women's value and it's not placed on men. That is not placed on men at all. Uh, but you, then you have these women in the church and, and your value is based on those things I say, well, what about the widows? And what about the single mothers? Like they don't have a husband. What about the women who don't get married? And so you just have this whole subset of women who are discarded. Right. They're wildly gifted. Um, their voices are wildly necessary. And we call them unvaluable. And I think, first of all, that makes me mad. Mm-hmm. And second, Even when you do get married and you do have children and you do stay at home, like I was privileged enough to do those things. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is not enough. That is not fulfilling enough. And it's actually just so difficult. And I would say being single and not having kids and yearning for that, any of those is also difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, both of those things will bring you closer to God and they will grow your faith, but neither is better than the other. And to say that this, we uphold this as the shining Mecca of being a woman is, is not the gospel for everyone. And, and it is a place where we lose our identity. Actually. I know I got lost along the way because that was my identity. Be a really good Pinterest mom, be a, the power of a praying wife, be like the most prayerful wife, have dinner on the table, do all those things. And guess what? I was doing all those things and my husband fell in love with another woman and my life fell apart and it was so dark. I was not a good mom during that time. I needed my parents and my friends to show up for me and be, be that presence because I was in such a devastated place. I will say though, praise God that that identity got stripped away because if you're not those things, then what are you? Mm-hmm. And coming back to, you know, just simply a child of God, like God, my value is not in any of those things. And guess what? You can find your identity in work, in being the best podcaster, in being the best writer, in being the best teacher. Like you can find your identity in any of those things. But once suffering hits and once those things get taken away, you have to ask yourself, where is my value? Mm -hmm. And, and guess what, you know, being a wife and being a mother, those aren't, 
bad things. Right. Being a single uh, mother or being not having children, not being married, though that is all good. It's actually good. And just to, at that base level, know that you are good. I mean, I really struggled with that and a lot of self-hatred, I think, um, that stemmed from not my childhood, not my parents, but like I learned self-hatred inside of the church. And so um, I critique that harshly, but I also can't quit the church, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, it devastated me and also like it, it, that system broke me, but also I'm finding healing inside of it now. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with my marriage. I was devastated by my marriage and I find healing inside of it. And God's just weird like that. Like, I'm like, what are you like to be so weird that you take these broken things and then you say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to still use this. I'm going to flip the coin here. And, and it really does make me say, what is he like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were going through all of that, what verses kept you anchored? I mean, when I was going through my marriage situation, um, I had a verse written on my chalkboard that I, you know, when you write things on your chalkboard and you're like, I'm going to do a verse a week, but then you never do. You write it down that one time and then yeah. that verse stays. And the verse was be kind and tenderhearted towards one another, loving each other like uh, God in Christ loved you and or something like that. I could have butchered that. But, you know, my life is falling apart and I'm looking at this verse and God saying, forgive like I forgive you. And so I had to say, well, how does God forgive me? And then the verse popped into my head while we were still sinners. And that revolutionized my heart because my husband was not repentant. He, we actually just like turned him over to his sin and said, have at it, dude. Like I am not riding this roller coaster. So I'm going to separate from you mm -hmm. and you go hit your bottom, but I'm unbuckling myself from this roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And what that verse did for me was help me see that forgiveness is not contingent on one person and their behavior. That forgiveness is, is asked of me, whether he's sorry or not. And so I worked on this kind of radical, it was supernatural forgiveness and God would hand me things for that day that hurt. I felt like kept chasing me and I would just turn around and say, this is not going to chase me anymore. And they were little things, you know, like mm -hmm. that he lied about. And I just radically worked on forgiving him, whether he came back or not. And I didn't want him to come back. I was like, you, are you a serial killer? Because I don't know who you are actually at this point. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of how I got through that time. He did come back. And it was so repentant that it was obvious. Like, I felt like it was like this physical, he physically looked different, mm -hmm. but, but I learned that forgiveness happens in my own heart and it is not contingent on anyone else, their behavior. I didn't know that before I had to do that. It's like, you know, when it's like when people say, you know, being a mom is really hard and you're very tired and it's exhausting and you're like, yeah, but not for me because I'm kind of amazing. <laughs> and then you have a baby and you're like, oh, so we're not, we are not sleeping for six weeks. Okay. That is, or longer. <laughs> oh, that, That's a new level of exhaustion that you can only know by walking through it. So, <laughs> you know, suffering 
there's just no other way to feel the comfort of God than, than through that deep suffering. There's no, I don't know how else you get that intense nearness of Christ than walking through those hard times. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's been like that for you, but like when mm-hmm. you just needed, you needed Jesus, like with skin on you physically, like I was, I needed him to comfort me and he showed up for me. And so like, I look back on that and I don't think I'm really sad about that in my marriage. Like, I don't wish that on anybody, but I don't look back on that time and think, dang it. I wish that never happened. I look back at that and I think, thank God that happened to me. Like I experienced Christ's love and his nearness and his presence in such an intense way that his presence was a reward, not my marriage coming back, but I learned I would be okay without that marriage Mm -hmm. in that time. Like God's showed up for me. He's going to keep showing up for me. And I don't even need this rotten marriage to get through. I mean, that was kind of where I landed, but it changed me like that. That changed the rest of my life, but it came through suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what would you say to somebody who's walking through that right now in any way, shape or form in the devastation of any relationship, any of that? I think I would say, first of all, it's not going to be like this forever. It, It can't rain forever. And the sun will shine again for you. So just recognizing that there is a brevity to our lives and there is a brevity to heartache and suffering. It feels long and it can be long suffering, but I, I'd say, keep your eyes on eternity. Like I think it was Ian Voskamp that said, look at eternity and work backwards from that. Mm -hmm. So I try to do that is where I look at this life is not going to last forever. He is going to come back and make all things right. I will be with him. There will be no more suffering that I I will not be crying forever and putting my hope there. So you reframe it as in like, I may not get the baby. I may not get the marriage. I may not get the thing that I want so bad, but I do have God and letting his presence be enough for you. I mean, I think that is what I would say is reframe it and get your eyes on the right thing. And it, it changes you. It can't, you can't go to God in prayer and, and not come out changed. I don't know if you know, like if I'm having a complaining day, if I'm having like the worst day and I am just rolling it around in my head, that turns into like depression for me. Like that Mm -hmm. turns into like, I think you think on those things you're going to get, what do you think the fruit is going to be of those things? Um, but once I turn my heart towards God and I say, God, how are you going to fix this? You know, I, this is too heavy for me. So I'm going to give it to you. What are you going to do? And I have this saying in my head, I just say, God will do it. So when I worry about something, when I want something and it's not happening, when I, you know, things don't feel like they're going right for me, I say, you know what? I'm sick of carrying this. God will do it. God -hmm. will do it. And it's not maybe going to look the way I wanted it to, but he knows best. Right. So like God will do it. And I trust him, but I say that a lot, like God will do it. I'm going to just refuse to live my day in worry. And I'm going to keep putting that back on God. And that is, I'm going to have to do that for the rest of my life. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. no one is like, I did it. 
I became very holy and now I am amazing for God. Um, I have to, I have to do that quite a bit throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll also set some people free too, because we kind of go under the assumption that once you go through that, you're good. Or (laughs) once you think that you're good or, but it is, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. And we were never promised that it was going to be easy. So no, no, there's still joy though. I mean, I absolutely, I think think as you know, reformed the system I came out of, you know, just this very reformed and they had so much emphasis on suffering. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to turn a corner and if it's good right now, get ready because you're going to face suffering. There is an element to truth. Like no one gets out of this life without suffering. Like if you're, if you find yourself in hardship or have welcome to being a human, like that is whether you're a believer or not a believer, we Mm -hmm. have hardships. And, but I think it has such a heavy emphasis on suffering that we forget to dream. Yes. Like that's in this book. I'm like, I am actually really good, especially with ADHD. I can daydream (laughs) for your life for eight years at a time I can daydream and the art of a daydream the art of um dreaming just to dream I mean like not it doesn't have to come to fruition just the act of like daydreaming itself means you hope Mm -hmm. and we are a people marked by hope right like we are a people who do not grieve without we have hope that's what marks us so we're all grieving but as a believer we grieve as a people with hope. And, you know, I just think I I'm pushing people to say like, pick up that dream again. This mm-hmm. what like, what's it, what, what if it doesn't come true, but what about what, why don't we pick it up and kind of roll it around and see what's in there, see what's still good. And mm-hmm. you as a believer have this joy and this hope. And I think, you know, that's really attractive to people watching you, you know, if you are just Eeyore walking around (laughs) all the time, you know, and just flogging your back and just, oh, those life is suffering and we do it with God, which is true. But he also is after your joy. He is after your smile. He is after your dreams. And, and those things help me to keep living. Like those things help me do the next day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Be like Thumper rather than Eeyore. Yes. Thumper is just cute. That's the whole new merch line. Yes. <laughs> Be like Thumper. He's <laughs> so True. yeah. I I love our conversation today and um just where it went and all of the things. And I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me. And where can people find you? You said Instagram is your main hub. Yeah. Jamie Nato. I don't have an E in my name. Um, and I mean, I have a blog too, or a website where I kind of like have a blog, but mostly I do the Lord's work, making people laugh on Instagram. I do target try-ons and <laughs> or I talk about ADHD in a funny way where you get a little educated, but you also <laughs> don't feel so alone. Right. So mostly, mostly they're on Instagram. You guys go follow Jamie and also go out and get this book. And like I said, it comes out today. So go get it, get it for your people because 
like I said, her stories and everything make you feel less alone. So thank you again, Jamie. And do you have any last minute encouragement or thoughts for people? Yeah, I, I, I say, don't be afraid to pick up that old dream. You know, Mm -hmm. if I could, if I could leave you with one thing is don't quit your daydreams and, um, and, and don't be afraid to take it to God and say like, Hey, is there treasure here? Is there something? Cause this dream won't leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And you know how that is. Like if that yeah. dream won't leave me alone, I think, Ooh, that feels like a breadcrumb to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys, go get her book, hang out with her. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I pray that each of you will take something from this episode, that you will be challenged, that you will be encouraged in your walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review so that other people can find this and other people can listen to the stories of God's redemption. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.